0: Thank you so much uh June for the reading and uh, to David for leading us in those prayers focusing on harvest especially. Um we are continuing our series in this season in the footsteps of Jesus and this morning I want to talk to you from this passage about signs of God's faithfulness and foretastes of the kingdom. And I want to start by thinking about seasons and celebrations, because today is harvest, right, and actually, in the midst of all that's going on i 'm really glad we get to celebrate these familiar moments, these little marker points throughout the year of familiarity they hold us, they keep us in rhythm and actually it's really important, and I want to say this to you that in this time of utter change and uh, confusion where things seem to all day seem to sort of blend into one weeks and days and months go by and you think I've lost my rhythm and the markers of time really it is still March isn't it folks it's not Christmas in like two months time is it well yes extraordinarily it is things are going by and it's so important and I want to say to you to really recognize moments where you can mark the seasons, celebrate the festivals well. And so that's what we're doing this morning with Harvest. And when Advent comes this year, um, my plan is uh, to really help us celebrate and mark Advent in a significant Way. A bit like we did with the prayer festival to bring some of those ideas to really mark that season uh, to carry us through. I think it's good for our mental health, for our spiritual health as well. And I don't say that lightly. I think it's one of the things uh, that can really help us through a time like this. So I want to encourage you today. Celebrate harvest after this service. If you live on your own or if you live with a family, take a moment before you eat today and give thanks and share What you want to give thanks for um, to the Lord for the way he has blessed you, even amidst all that's going on. You see, from the beginning, the Bible tells us that God gave us the changing seasons and the festivals and the celebrations to mark the journey of our lives. And through it all, to have them as a constant sign year in, year out of his faithfulness. In Genesis, he said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate day from night. This is Genesis 1. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times or festivals and days and years. And when speaking to Noah after the flood, he said, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. These were markers of God's faithfulness, reminders um, of the bigger picture to help us step back from the chaos of what's now and the immediate and the small detail to realize that day follows night. And springtime follows winter as signs of God's constant presence and unchanging faithfulness through it all. They've been given to us, I believe, as a gift from God. So what about harvest? Hey, the one we are celebrating today. Well, if you research it on the web and you don't dig too deep, it tells you it's a Victorian tradition. I could tell you it's much, much older than that. I think some of the hymns and some of how we do harvest in church date back to Victorian times, but we've celebrated harvest in this Uh, land, Um, right back through the medieval times, the Middle Ages, I'm sure uh, far uh, earlier than that. But we as Christians can trace back much, much earlier from our Judeo-Christian heritage, uh, this harvest festival. You see, right from the moment where God called his people out of Egypt and turned them into a nation, he gave them rules, he gave them his presence, and he gave them celebrations and festivals that he said, Each year I want you to celebrate these. And there were three main festivals where he said, On those festivals, come and gather into my presence. Mark them well each year. And they were all based on agricultural uh, times of the year. They were all based around the symbol and the sign um, of Brett. And, and, and wheat uh, uh, and crops that produce the food, um, uh, reminders of God's unchanging faithfulness. So the first one was the festival of unleavened bread um, or, 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 or matzos, as it's called. Uh, and this was like a week long festival. And it was to happen in the springtime of the year. And it's the festival when Passover takes place. And in the Bible, God says it's whilst the grain is still standing. Uh, you will uh, celebrate this festival. Um, and that's because that was the time of year that God called the people out of Egypt. So the first festival in the Jewish New Year, the springtime, whilst the crops are still standing, they're not ready to harvest yet, is the festival of unleavened bread, reminding them of how they were rescued from Egypt. and They had to make the bread quickly and escape in the night. Um, and it's a sign of the potential to come of God's. Uh, of total dependence on God but then you were to count seven weeks of seven or 50 days to get to the festival known as the festival of weeks but was first off called the festival of first fruits or the first harvest um and and this one uh also known as Pentecost, uh, which we still celebrate. So so it's interesting. Easter for us has, has, has landed on the first um, festival, the Passover time. And then we celebrate Pentecost, uh, just like the, uh, the, the, the Jewish uh, religion does um, and uh, Judaism does. Uh, but we celebrate in a different way. But Pentecost is all about uh, the first time you're allowed to put the sickle to the crop. So they're not standing anymore. They're there. But they're ready to harvest and you start to cut them and you start to uh, uh, enjoy the harvest, the early harvest. But it was all about bringing those first fruits to God in proportion to what you've got given. You would honor God and say, here's my first fruits and you bring them to God. And this was the second of the great um, festivals that people would pilgrimage, the ancient Israelites would pilgrimage from all over the land to come to the temple to to be in the presence of God and to celebrate this second festival again with a harvesty feel. And then the third one was the festival of the finished harvest, of the completed harvest, of the bounty, of the ingathering, if you like. Also now known as the festival of booths and tabernacles, where you would build a little shelter and eat your meals in those shelters, reminding the uh, uh, the Jewish people of their time in the wilderness where God provided for them. And this is a festival once you've gathered in your crops and you've turned the grain into flour and you've made your wine, you've crushed the grapes and your wine is all ready and you come with thankfulness, celebrating, remembering how God has provided for you. And that's the festival that we're celebrating today. Harvest, this time of realising all that God's done for us, even this year um, and physically celebrating. We're so disconnected from farming, so many of us now and from grain. You think, well, we don't need grain. We just need flour or we just need bread. But well, all, of course, stems back to somebody sowing a seed in the ground and God sending the rain and that seed growing so we give thanks today so those are the three festivals i hope you find that interesting so you've got the unleavened bread festival where it's about the potential and god's god's uh of dependence on god and then uh, the festival of uh, of the first fruits also known as Pentecost which is the first taste of what was to come and if you think about the sending of the Holy Spirit that really works for us, a first taste of all that was to come, a down payment, uh, the Spirit comes uh, to live with us to give us a taste of all that God has ahead um, and then the final one, the festival of the harvest or the ingathering the bountiful harvest at the end uh, which is what we are celebrating now you can find and read up on those if you find that interesting in Deuteronomy or Exodus, have a little look, it's time clearly to celebrate today to give thanks to God in God's presence and these festivals were celebrated year in year out as I say as a sign of God's unchanging faithfulness but as we move towards communion which we're going to do shortly I want us just to think for a moment sometimes there are signs that things are not the same and that things are changing not God's faithfulness that never changes But there's something is breaking in. And sometimes that something is bad. It's not a good thing that's happening. Uh, Sometimes tell us that something bad, uh, a sign of change, that something bad is coming. So, for example, I know something bad is coming and breaking into my house when my dog starts to sniff at the floorboards and get very excited and start to scratch at them. I have a sneaky feeling I know what's happening when the dog gets excited. And then when I lie in bed at night and I hear scratchy, scratchy uh, in the ceiling and under the floor, I think, hmm, something not so good is trying to break in here. And then you get that smell, the smell of a dead rat or of wee or something like that. And then once. I turned a lamp on and it exploded. The plug exploded as I did it. The rats had been up and it chewed right the way through the wire and it was all short circuited. And as I split the switch, the thing exploded. Signs of something not good breaking in. But more seriously, there are signs in life sometimes that things are not going well. I watched an extraordinary uh, movie about the Deepwater Horizon oil rig disaster in 2010. There were signs there that there was going to be this enormous explosion, but the signs weren't heeded. There are signs all sociologically and politically of discontent that can lead to big swing and unexpected events like, for example, Brexit. At that point, no one thought that was going to happen. But perhaps the signs were there that people were feeling it. Um, Signs, I think we do need to take more seriously as Christians of global warming. It's easy to hear some folks just write it off. Oh, it's all just Alarmist media. No, we need to take this seriously. There are signs that our climate is changing and it is because of our contributions. Mankind are now making the biggest impact on the environment in our history ever. We need to see those signs. We need to take that seriously. As David said, forgive us, Lord, when we don't look after your creation. Signs of the coronavirus. Certainly there were signs about how uh, we have been uh, moving into animals uh, habitats and rubbing alongside animals in ways that we've never done before and we believe it's jumped from animals to humans there are signs uh, also about when there's going to be a spike and things that we need to look out for and that's what we're doing at the moment we need to be wise and careful not just stick our fingers in our ears and say hey none of this matters we need to be careful um and see the signs and perhaps there are personal signs in your own life sometimes when you realize I'm flagging I need a break Perhaps there are signs that say, I need to come back to Jesus. My soul's tired. I'm not right. I need to come back to the one who loves me and to be blessed again. Heed those signs. You know, Jesus spoke to the crowd. He said, you know about how to read signs. He basically quotes. I love it. Red sky at night, shepherd's delight, red sky in the morning, shepherd's warning. Um, We know that one. I got taught that one. But Jesus knew that one. And the people at the time knew that one. You know how to read the skies and the signs there about rain the next day. But do you know how to read the present time and what's going on? Jesus said to them. You see, if we look around today at society, we look around at our world, we realise actually it's not as it's supposed to be. It's not as it should be. It's not as God would long for it to be. Perhaps we look at our own hearts and we realise I'm not where I'd like to be. I'm not how I can imagine God would long for me to be. And this all comes back to the fact that we as humanity chose rebellion. God called us from the beginning to follow him, to trust him, to experience his loving care and his rule and his blessing. but We chose to do it our way. Sin entered the world. The Bible calls sin, rebellion, destruction, brokenness, pain, <clears throat> the stuff we hate, the stuff we don't like, but the stuff we revel in, the stuff we do so often. We chose to reject the Lord and we followed the voice of the liar of the enemy that said, hey, you can be like him. You can do things your way. You don't need him to tell you what to do. And in doing that, we gave the enemy influence over our lives and our world. This is the great overarching meta-narrative or large story of the Bible. Uh, It's a story, though, in which God will not give up on us. He sees what's happened. He sees The sin and the darkness under which we live and that we have chosen. And rather than give up on us, what's he going to do? Well, does he just destroy us? Does he force us to follow him? No, he chooses to be patient and loving, to invite us to see his goodness. And he chose to raise for himself a nation that would be a sign to the world that things could be different. They would be like a light to the other nations to show God's loving, just rule, what that looks like. And that was the nation of Israel. He gave his people a land and a law. And those festivals, as I said, he promised to be with them, make himself present at the table. He taught them to follow his ways, to care for the vulnerable, to not only care for themselves. It's so clear God's heartbeat throughout the Bible. Care for the poor, the fatherless, the widow, the economically vulnerable, the foreigner, the immigrant. Even at harvest like today, this was never supposed to just be about themselves or ourselves and our own or their own abundance hear this Deuteronomy 24 9 when you're harvesting in your field father God said and you overlook a sheath and do not go back to get it leave it for the foreigner the fatherless and the widow so that the Lord may bless you in all the work of your hands God's trying to teach his people how to love and care for the other and the hurting and the broken. You see, the way Israel were to live was to be a sign of God's loving care to the world. But like all God's people, and like us, they rebelled. They failed over and over again with violence and greed and selfish gain, trampling on the poor to get rich, disregarding the cries of the hungry and the needy because they're unpleasant. We'd rather just pretend they don't exist disregarding God, setting ourselves up as all powerful, and we cause such pain. So God promised that one day, the great promise of the Old Testament, one day I will come myself. One day I'm going to step into this mess, into this darkness that is reigning over the world, and I'm going to rescue the broken and all who turn to me. I'm going to rescue my people and create a new people. I'm going to take care and bind up the poor and the suffering and free the oppressed and show people how to love and follow my ways. And he would come and bring about his perfect rule on earth, his kingdom. One day he would fight the kingdom of darkness and bring about his kingdom of light and justice. You see, sometimes tell us that some signs tell us that something bad is breaking in. But other signs tell us the opposite, that something wonderful is coming. Something wonderful is breaking in. I remember as a kid, I could always tell if I came back from school, I could always read the signs. If mum had an apron on, it meant she'd been baking. If mum was in the kitchen and I could see that the bowl was out and that mixer was out, I could tell she'd been baking something delicious. And if I could smell the baking in the oven, I knew something wonderful like a cake or cakes or buns or buns, as my Yorkshire mum would call them, buns, were being made. But one of the best things was not just the signs I could see of something wonderful coming, but she would give me the bowl with the spoon and I'd get to lick it and taste it and get a foretaste of the goodness that was to come. That was awesome. You see, sometimes signs we, we, we have tell us that something wonderful's coming. Some signs are more than just signs. They're a foretaste of the good things that are to come. And you see, that's exactly what's going on in our reading this morning. And I'm not going to go through it in great detail. But in Mark's account, we see here that wherever Jesus went, we see signs of something wonderful breaking in. We see signs that that promised rule of God, God's kingdom was finally breaking in. God's loving and perfect rule, where we see perfect justice, safety, love, healing, freedom, life, comfort, peace, joy, where the vulnerable are cared for, where the proud are brought low, where there is community and family and restoration, where God himself is present with his people. But would the people recognise these signs? And as we look at the Bible texts this morning, if you've got your Bibles, you'll be able to skim over it with me. And as we move into communion, I'm not going to go deep into this passage tonight, but I want you to read it and see it in this way. That the first thing the people did when Jesus started teaching was realise the sign of his authority. This was not someone who was like the other people, other teachers, uh, other leaders. He spoke with a, a unique authority and the people were amazed the scripture says. They were seeing a sign here, what they didn't realise, but this this was someone with far greater authority than they could ever know. This was the king of kings, the king of the kingdom had come. God himself was now present among humanity. And whilst the people didn't realise this, it's fascinating to notice that the forces of darkness could read the signs immediately. They did not like what they saw. As Jesus teaches, it causes a man possessed by an impure spirit to shout out at him. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. You see, the enemy recognised the signs that their reign was up. God's kingdom was now breaking in. Now, remember that at this moment in Mark's gospel, Jesus has done nothing miraculous at all. He's had his baptism and God has spoken over him, but he's not himself done anything miraculous. He's called his first disciples. And now the very first miracle Mark records him doing is commanding a demon to leave someone. Be quiet, Jesus says sternly. Come out of him. And the impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. You see, this is no mistake that Mark records this as Jesus's first miracle, or at least the first miracle that Mark records Jesus doing. You see, he's wanting us to realise that Jesus' ministry, as much as it was about the individual, was not only about the individual. No, this was a battle of two kingdoms that had commenced. Two reigns, two rules. One is a kingdom of enslavement and lies and sorrow, and the other is a kingdom of freedom and truth and life. Jesus was here to drive out the work of the enemy, to destroy his kingdom. He was here to free all those who were afflicted, yes, by a demonic presence, and all those who were in one way or another subjected to the work of the great liar and the deceiver and the thief who were carrying that burden on their shoulders of sin and shame and brokenness. He came to change it. He came to say, my burden is easy. My my yoke is easy. My burden is light. The kingdom of light rather than the kingdom of darkness the kingdom of the one who is true rather than the kingdom of the great liar and deceiver and thief you see freeing this man from torment was the first great sign that the kingdom of God was breaking in in the gospel of Mark we read that the people that shared this news all around the place they were reading the sign that something amazing was breaking in these signs and foretastes of the kingdom were now happening we read then that he goes to Simon Peter's house and he, his mother, Simon Peter's mother, has a fever and Jesus goes up to her and raises her up from the bed um, and a fever goes. And we see from this that it's not just spiritual torment or, or, or spiritual oppression that Jesus was here to release us from, but also in his kingdom there is holistic healing. He cares about our bodies and our souls, our minds, our mental health, who we are, what we do. Jesus cares and in his kingdom we will know full healing. Full healing. The Bible tells us he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more suffering or sorrow or illness or death. The old things will have gone. It's really important that we realize that these were not just nice things Jesus was doing, they weren't just isolated miracles. But these were foretastes of the kingdom of God breaking in in the here and now and would one day come in all its fullness. Friends, right now, we may not know and experience the fullness of God's kingdom yet. It's clear we don't. In fact, we are called to pray. Let your kingdom come. It has not come in fullness yet. Let it be on earth as it is in heaven is our great Prayer, but when that kingdom comes, it's going to be the greatest celebration and rejoicing ever. But until that day, friends, it's so important we realize, just as people in Jesus' time did, we can know and experience not just the sign or see the signs of the kingdom, but we can experience the foretaste like the first fruits of God's kingdom breaking into our lives in this world, like that second harvest festival that, that that second of the three festivals where they see the foretaste they get to taste the first bits of the harvest and they offer them back to God what people were receiving when Jesus was around weren't just signs pointing to the kingdom but they were real encounters of the reality of that kingdom in this world and this life now not just the sign of summing in the oven but that licking of the spoon, that tasting of the fruit and the sugar and the spices of that bun that had been made and that cake that was going to be celebrated one day. You see, this is what Jesus did. Wherever he went, he brought signs and foretastes of the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus calls you and I to do too. As we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, he calls us to now do the same. He has equipped us with the Holy Spirit that we might, with him, in partnership with him, empowered by him, do the same. Wherever I go, I am called to bring signs and foretastes of God's kingdom, and so are you. It's up there. You see it? Wherever I go, I am called to bring signs and foretaste of God's kingdom. We don't love and care for people because we have to, we're forced to as Christians, or because we think somehow we need to win God's approval or His favour. No. It's all there already. We are so utterly loved, so delighted in this. Mig reminded us God delighted in Jesus before he lifted a finger, before he did anything. And it is true for you today. God's love for you is unconditional. Your worth is unconditional. It is not linked to what you do. But we do share Compassion and love and reach out to the broken and the hurting and the suffering, we care for this world. Why we do it because it is our great calling to fall in the footsteps, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, to partner with him in these foretastes and signs of the kingdom on earth today. We say, "Come, Holy Spirit, and help us to do that. We're to live out and demonstrate His great love, His acceptance and grace and compassion. Friends, every time we, as God's people, as a church, forgive one another and seek peace after an argument, it's a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom. Every time we check in on each other, make that phone call and give a word of encouragement, it's a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom. Every time we pray for one another and we see answers to prayer, we see breakthroughs and healings. signs and foretastes of the kingdom of God every time we worship together and raise our hearts in song to the Lord it's a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom every time we're patient with one another's failings when others get it wrong yet we still choose to love and accept and to welcome it's a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom every time we stand up for issues of justice of inclusivity, of welcoming the refugee and the stranger, of loving the unloved one, reaching out to the unwanted. These are signs and foretastes of the kingdom of God. Every time we walk the streets with a street pastor's jacket on or go to hospital as a chaplain Or at Hinkley Point as a chaplain or a volunteer at the open door homeless shelter or at the food bank or talk to someone on the bus next to us about Jesus or post a card through our neighbor's door or just chat and listen to our work colleagues and share something of the story of Jesus or get involved in our local community or school. It's a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom every time the Life Cafe opens its doors for a warm welcome or in these difficult months sits there in the the hammering rain. For a takeaway coffee and a moment of contact and blessing and encouragement is a sign and a foretaste of the kingdom. Every time we support mission abroad, mission here locally, when we give to the food bank financially and physically, our tins of custard and our sponge puddings become signs and foretastes of the kingdom, the kingdom in which everyone is fed and has enough food, no matter who they are or how they got themselves into those circumstances. They are loved and valued and there is food enough for all. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, friends, this is our task to follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And my prayer is that we ask the Holy Spirit that this wouldn't just be a task to us, but this would become our great joy, our great passion as a church and as God's people to share the good news and the compassion of God, to share these foretastes of the kingdom with our communities, our workplaces, with individuals, with our families. We invite the Holy Spirit that we might be able to say wherever I go, I want to bring a foretaste of God's kingdom. I delight in bringing signs and foretaste of God's kingdom. Friends, how might you bring a sign and a foretaste of God's kingdom in this season? Either to your family, to your home, to your neighbour, your neighbours either side, to someone in the church, at work. Or in some other way, how can you and I continue to bring signs and foretastes empowered by the spirit of God's kingdom breaking in? Well, friends, as we turn now to communion, I want to just draw our attention to one further sign of the kingdom of God and God's faithfulness. Because of all the things Jesus did and all the signs of the kingdom he gave and showed us, there is one that is the greatest sign of all of God's great love and of his kingdom breaking in. We're going to turn to that now. and That sign is the cross. You see, when John the Baptist was imprisoned, he lost heart for a moment. He sent his disciples. He said, go and ask Jesus. Are you really the one we've been waiting for? Jesus simply said, go back and report to John these signs that you've seen, what you see and hear. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. The signs of the kingdom of God are here. Have no doubt that I am he, Jesus said. But then he added something really interesting. He said, but blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Because Jesus also realized some of the signs that he would bring would confuse us. They were not what we were expecting. They would, in fact, disgust us. We would find it so hard to understand. You see, the cross is a sign that would cause many to stumble and reject him. It seemed to the world as utter foolishness and failure. You see, although the kingdom was breaking in now, Jesus was not jumping on the throne uh, in a physical, dominant way to, to, to lead in a way that we might think he would right now. No. He had come to bring about his kingdom in a totally different way. He needed to break the power of the enemy to once and for all make a way for the world that was violent and selfish and arrogant and ignorant and unjust to be forgiven and freed from the grasp of the enemy's rule. To be in a relationship with God, to have all the stains washed away. and For the accusations and curses of the evil one to be dealt with and silenced. And he would do that by going to the cross and taking it all on himself. So we turn again now to the greatest sign we and the world will ever see of God's faithfulness, of God's love, of God's kingdom breaking in that cross where he took it all. And that cross from which he went to the grave and then rose again in power to say it is finished. It is done. The kingdom is coming. It is guaranteed. It is our destination and you can know it breaking into your life and our lives and our communities today in this world. Even in this time, we turn to the cross and we see again God's immense love for us. The greatest encounter we can ever have with Jesus is when we're on our knees at the cross, in humility, realizing what it is He has done for us, for me and for you. So I ask you just to gather your bread and wine now, uh, or your juice, whatever you've got there. If you haven't, go and grab a piece of bread, a slice of bread is fine, a bit of juice from the kitchen, and whilst we do, we're just going to reflect again on the song when I survey the wondrous cross.